Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for These two priests, by the way, they were engaged in fornication and they were doing it in the tabernacle. Can you imagine what you would think if you found out that your pastor, first of all, was not saved, but he was picking up prostitutes and he was having sexual relations with them in the church? That's what these priests were doing. That's bad. Now, that's one reason how these two, how these two guys were in the priesthood. No authority to make them accountable. The second reason is because of their dad. It's obvious that Eli lost total control of his sons. He gave up on disciplining his children, which has enabled two wicked troublemakers right into the priesthood. At any time. Eli could have taken control of them and stopped their abuse, but he never did. But we have seen many times in the Bible how God uses small people to do big things. He's got little, little old Samuel. 1 Samuel 2.18 says, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. And they would go to their home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Wow. She asked for one son. And she got a bunch of kids now. <laughs> you ever realize that when you ask the Lord for something, if you, if you will give, he can give back more than you ever did? Isn't that just our God here? So you've got the entire priesthood doing bad things, grown-ups doing bad things, but Samuel grew before the Lord. Now that's quite a contrast between these adult priests running wild, but then here's this little... This little kid, this little cute little priest is going to come up and he's going to turn everything around. God does big things through the small. You ever feel small? I do. It's okay to feel small. Well, I don't don't have the strength to do that. I, I can't do what you do, Ray. Good. I'm glad you feel like that. God can use that. Anybody that comes up and says, well, I can do better than you, that's arrogance. Well, who am I? I just come to the church. Yes, you come to this church so that you can get the word of God and you can go out and be a minister to your people. I've got a pulpit here. You've got a platform God gave you. Don't feel like you're too small. God uses small. Look at little Samuel. But he's going to grow strong in the Lord and become mightier in the Lord than all these other priests ever were. 
And he is going to survive what God is going to do to take these other priests out. You're fired. They're going to be. And so Eli, he prayed for Anna to be blessed with more children as a blessing for her giving Samuel up to service. He called it a loan to God. And this is how the Lord works. When you give to the Lord's ministry, he always gives back more than you gave. Whether it's in giving of yourself, or if you give your family, or even giving money to the work of ministry. So let's recall Hannah's prayer in verse 5, where she said, I want to go back to that, I want you to think about this, where she says, the barren has borne seven. Remember that, the barren has borne seven. Now look at verse 21. It says that Hannah had, what, three sons and two daughters. That's five, plus Samuel is six. Is this an error? Is this something wrong? Is there an error in the Bible? Because she had six. How many did she say that the barren has born? She said seven. But the only reason I bring this up is because your skeptics like to use things like this to tell you that there's errors in the Bible. The problem here is not an error in the Bible. What we have to do is you have to think like an ancient Israelite. You have to think like them. And biblically speaking, the number seven is the number of completion. God created the earth in six days and the seventh day he rested. Seventh day is completion. We have seven days of the week to remind us of this. Seven days of completion. What Hannah is saying is that the Lord removed her failure that she felt of being barren and he restored her to a complete woman. That's what she's saying. Guys, we serve the God of restoration. Don't let skeptics play numbers with you and go, oh, she had six and she said seven. Oh, that's something wrong. She's expressing completion. The Lord has completed me. First Samuel 2 and 22 prophecy against Eli's household. Now Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. See, there it is. Verse 23. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. American Christianity, you keep your little Christian Christian thoughts wrapped up in the little American box. Time to open that box. And let it out and see what the really goes on around the rest of the world too. And the way God thinks, not just the way you think. God, the Lord, desired to kill them. This is the way God thinks. Willful sinning like this. You, you ever realize why God wanted to kill Jesus Christ on the cross for crucifixion? Because he wanted to give you the opportunity to have your sins transferred there so that he could kill Jesus on the cross instead of killing you. That's how salvation works. But it says here, the Lord desired to kill them. Verse 26, and the child, here we are, little cute Samuel again. (laughs) And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor, favor, both with the Lord and men. Okay, this whole thing about the Lord wanted to kill him, that, that just messes me up. 
at least in my worldly thinking. Because if you'd told me this a number of years ago before I actually read the Bible, I would have told you, no, God doesn't do that. God loves everybody. He just wants to shower rainbows and blessings and money on everybody and make everybody happy. God doesn't want to kill nobody. Well, yeah, he does. This is how the Lord actually thinks towards those who willfully sin like this. Why? Well, it's like Eli said. It's because they were causing the Lord's people to transgress. You may think, well, my sin is my problem. It's only my life. Yeah, but your life influences other people. And what you do causes other people to transgress if you're in willful sin. And so imagine if somebody came and messed with your family. You ever have that happen? Somebody is deliberately coming in messing with your family. How many of you would do something about it? I would. You're not messing with my family. I'm going to do something about it, okay? So why is it okay for you to do something about your family when somebody messes with them, but for God, it's somehow wrong when somebody messes with his family? Why, would, why does God not get to act on that? He does. And Eli warned them about God's judgments, but Eli's efforts were what you call too little, too late. He's old now, and they're not listening to him. They never had to before. There was never any repercussions or uh, consequences for doing whatever I want to do. Eli never did anything, and now he's old. Now he's saying something. We're not going to listen to him. Who cares what you think, Eli? They spent their entire lifetime with Eli taking no action against them, and so Eli's rebuke, it wasn't taken seriously by Hophni and Phinehas. When you let your kids grow up without discipline and correction, they're going to do whatever they want to. And that fault does not fall only on the children. It falls on the ineffective parent. Eli's talking like it only falls with Phineas and Hophni. It also falls on Eli, which is why we come to 1 Samuel 2 and 27. It says, then a man of God came to Eli. Does it say the man of God came to Hophni and Phineas? No. Who did he come to? He came to Eli. Eli has to cough it up now came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord. Now, anytime you see thus says the Lord, that means that God is speaking through a person. These are God's words. This is what God is saying. Thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him? Who's he talking about? He's talking about Levi because they're Levites. They're Levite priests. He's talking about your father, Levi. Okay, let me read that again. Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming, that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. 
and you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phinehas in one day. They shall die, both of them. You're in trouble now, buddy. Too little, too late. I think we can gather that God does see hidden sins. Because they're doing this, the, the two priest guys are doing this fornication stuff with prostitutes in the tabernacle and God knows about it. But what God's concentrating on is this meat offering thing that they come and demand the choice meats from the offering meat. Now, just because you've gotten away with it for many, many years does not mean that God is not seeing it or that God's not going to do anything about it eventually. I, some people kind of work that way. I did that at one time in my before Christ days, before I was saved. I'd gotten away with something for such a long time. I thought, hey, I've got it made. Since I ain't, got caught, I ain't been caught yet, nobody knows. But God will do something about it eventually. Be warned. God just directly told Eli, you have done a bad job. You're fired. You're out of here. I'm cutting it off. I want us to recognize something here because I, I make a lot of mistakes. I don't know if you do. <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Full of them. <laughs> God did not say this to Eli over a mistake or two. God didn't even say this to Eli over 10 mistakes or 100 mistakes. What was going on here is that Eli was downright wickedly negligent in his duties. He actually turned a blind eye to sin and allowed it to continue on and on year after year. And now judgment has come. Time's up. This isn't about making some mistakes. Because I know you make mistakes. If I make mistakes, I know you do too. And God's not ready to slap you for that. What he is angry about is this is willful, deliberate, negligent wickedness going on. That's the problem. And not only that, but these guys are priests. They're extra accountable. And as anybody who's pastor, any pastors out there listening to me, you're doing that secret little sin that you've been getting away with for a long time, and you think God's not going to do anything about it, you better stop now before he does come to do something about it because by the time he shows up, it might be too late for you. Time to repent and get right with the Lord. We did see that there are priests that didn't know God. I take that could be the case today with pastors. I'm sure that Eli thought his sons were not listening when he tried to correct them. Remember when he told you, you ought to not be doing this. I'm sure he's like thinking, you two kids are not listening to me. But the fact that God had to send somebody to rebuke Eli, that means that Eli's the one that wasn't listening. God sent a prophet to Eli. Who's not listening here? The two sons or Eli? You know, when it gets so bad that God has to send you somebody to tell you, you need to stop this. Obviously, you're the one not hearing. Eli was so destructive, negligent, that God had to send this unnamed man to tell Eli that his priesthood is over. Now, one thing I want us to understand is that God is not punishing Eli for making mistakes because I love the disciple Peter. You read about Peter, you know how many times Peter messed up? 
He even denied Jesus Christ, but he wept about it. And he made mistakes, but he kept going. Even though he fell down numerous times, he picked himself back up and kept trying. God doesn't, wasn't punishing Peter for that. So it's a very different thing here with Eli. With Eli, this is not about mistakes. This is about corruption, continual wickedness that God had to put a stop to. And the reason why I wanted to explain that is because I know you're thinking about all the times you've messed up. About all the times you could have given God the glory and you didn't. And you're sorry for it. And Lord, forgive me, I shouldn't have done that. That's, that's, that's not the case with Eli. God forgives and God says, come on, let's pick up and let's go again. We'll, we'll get it right. But Eli wasn't having it. Eli wasn't listening. It was a very different scenario. So don't let this scare you because you know you've made mistakes. If you're making mistakes, you're willful, willful about it, and you don't care, now you've got something to worry about. So I just wanted to paint the difference in that picture. First Samuel 2.35. Look what he's going to do about it, though. He put a stop to the priesthood. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, Please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. Okay, God terminated Eli's line. You're fired. You've done a bad job. But now someone else is going to take it up. Who is this person going to be? Now, my first thought is Samuel, because when I was reading, oh, that's why he's got Samuel in there. Here it comes. Well, Samuel is going to help to provide a bridge to get there. Some would say Jesus, and in a sense, yes, but specifically, this prophecy comes true later in history. Later, we're going to see in 1 Kings 2.27. In 1 Kings 2.27, it says, So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. You see that? Wow. How much longer is that to 1 Kings? I don't know. It's quite some time. That's later down the road. So later, when we get to Kings chapter 2, when we we eventually get here, what we're going to do is we're going to look back to what we're seeing in 1 Samuel chapter 2, to what's being proclaimed to happen later. God's in control or what? He can do these things, okay? He doesn't forget. When God says, I'm going to do something, he doesn't go, oh yeah, I did say that, didn't I? I forgot. (laughs) He's going to do it. It's going to happen. In the ultimate sense, though, this faithful priest and anointed one are both the same person who is eventually going to be seen in the Lord Jesus Christ because he is both a priest and a king. So you go, well, I see Jesus in that. Yeah, you're right. But the specific prophecy is going to be fulfilled in 1 Kings 2. Now, my closing thoughts here are now going to be focused on Eli and his sons because they were wicked priests. And boy, have I got some good things to say about this. Just because somebody has a position or a title in the church, that does not mean you should immediately trust everything they say. You should not just immediately trust what they teach. You have to look to see if there's any proof of Jesus at work in their life before you make the decision to trust what they're teaching you. Now, I recognize this puts me on the spotlight. 
because that's you are looking at me in this. You have to know their life. You've got to know if the Lord is working in their life or not. 1 Timothy 3 verse 5 says this of somebody working in the church. If a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? There's a prerequisite here. If my family was running 10 kinds of crazy, I could not be doing this job. You can't run your own house. You can't be a pastor. Flat out. But this was Eli's problem. Right here. This right here. That's what what was wrong with Eli. As a pastor, I have to quickly act against sin whenever it creeps into the house of the Lord. And some of y'all have been here long enough to watch me do it. Because I don't want to end up like Eli. I don't want to just let it slide and then actually be the cause of it. And then I will take the ultimate judgment. But when it creeps into the house of the Lord, you got to deal with it. Because when God's called leadership refuses to take action against sin, then that accountability falls on the leadership. That's why that man showed up and spoke to Eli. To all the called pastors of God that are out there hearing this right now, don't end up taking the fall like Eli did. Rule your own house with the authority that God gave you and also take care of the church of God. There's a lot of churches out there that are messed up and lost because the pastor doesn't have it together. If there is sin in your assembly, deal with it. And I take this very personal because I was once in a church where there was willful sin, adultery, that was going on in the church with church staff. It was, ca- it was happening with a church member who was wanting to leave his wife and his children and it ripped the church right down the middle and it damaged a lot of other marriages and friendships. It hurt a lot of people. I take this very seriously. And I think the Lord let me witness this so that I would be very adamant about this in the church he was going to call me to lead. You have sin in your assembly Deal with it. Deal with it quick. Don't let it slide or you become part of the problem. Friends, what you need to really know about your pastors is what is their life like? You need to know that before you listen to them. I understand that there's a lot of people that are hearing my voice on the radio right now and you do not know me. You need to know your own personal pastor God's word commands in Hebrews 10 verse 25 for you as a believer to be attending an assembly of other believers and then hearing me on this radio broadcast can serve as a second witness to your own pastor's teaching so that when you hear my teaching agree with his teaching then that becomes further validation that what you're hearing is true. I am on the radio But the radio is not church. Assembly is church. Don't just listen to me. Get into the body of Christ. In a day and age when the Bible says that there's a lot of false teachers out there, are you willing to just trust anybody that claims to be a pastor? You shouldn't. Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, they were priests and they didn't even know the Lord. Do you know your pastor? Do you know the people that teach you? Or if your church assembly will not allow you to get to know them personally, then I think you should consider finding another church that will. You need to know the people that teach you. And if they won't let you know who they are, find another one. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.